0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. Father, as we close out this Amplify series, let this not be the close, but just the beginning. The beginning of amplifying your name higher than our own. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And all the church said... Amen. All right, who's ready to hear the word of God this morning? So am I. So this weekend, we're wrapping up this Amplify uh, series, and, and I want to say this from the outset. This is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is the beginning of an amplification that I believe can change this city, can change this state. Not can, will. Will. Yeah will change this nation and this world as many of us experienced this week. The world is desperate for Jesus, both here and in Haiti and in so many other places. And this Amplify vision, this is, this is not from me. This is straight from Jesus, and I know this because I've wrestled myself out of the way for this one. I promise you. And we've been spending these last four weeks answering the questions of who, what, where, why, and when. And we open this series with this question, who are we? We are apostles. It's the A in amplify. And as apostles, our responsibility is to identify other apostles so that we build disciples and call them out as apostles. That's the I in amplify. See, our identity is so, so important. If we don't know who we are, then we won't know what to do. So next we ask this question, what is success? What is success for our families? What is success individually? What does success mean for our businesses, our, our, ourselves in school, for our church? It's the same answer for every scenario because in the kingdom of God there are no dividers, there are no walls. And the answer is that success is chasing with everything that we have every part of our being after the presence of Jesus. That's the P in Amplify. And success is found in the freedom that his presence brings. That's the F in Amplify. If we don't know what to do, then we won't know where to go. And last week we talked about where are we going. We answered that question. We talked about two strategic places that we're going. To your living room, that's the L in Amplify, and to the marketplace. That's what you do every single day. The thing that you don't think is important. Your ordinary job, your ordinary school. That's where we're going. That's where we're taking success. That's where we're taking the presence of Jesus and his freedom. See, Jesus has put something in your hand, and he's asking us, just like he asked Moses, what's in your hand? It may appear ordinary like that shepherd's staff that Moses has had, but when you throw it down at the feet of Jesus, it becomes something that's extraordinary. It becomes a mighty weapon in the hands of Jesus. And we need to allow Jesus to identify those things that are in our grasp. And maybe last week you didn't identify what it was. That's okay. The thing is that you live with an awareness of his presence, an awareness of what he has for you so that you can take that next step, so that you can say in that moment that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, Oh, that's why you put that in my hand, so that I can release control, release my grip on it, and put it in your hand, and let you do amazing things for your glory and your fame. Get it? If we don't know where to go, it's simply because we don't know why. We saved this question for last. It's simply why. It's a big question why if you don't know the why you won't know anything and ironically we only have one letter left and it is the letter y see if we don't know why we're doing something we'll be completely lost won't we and our why circles back to who our why is only because of who and today we complete the circle in amplify it all works together you see, today we learn that Y, the letter Y, is for Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus is our why. Our why is Jesus. And that's why there's only one letter remaining, because only one name matters the name who spoke and light exploded into existence. The name at which demons believe and tremble. The name that heals every single disease. The name that defeated your enemy. The name that took your punishment. The name that took your guilt and your shame. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That name, the name in whose image you are created. The name of Jesus, Yeshua. He alone is our why. Yeshua. We first find uh, this name Yeshua in the Old Testament, actually. And you would know him as Joshua. Yeshua in Hebrew. Joshua, the one that led the children of Israel into the Promised Land. Joshua, Yeshua. He had the same Hebrew name as Jesus. And it's no accident because Joshua was a picture of what Jesus would do for you and for me. To bring us over from death to life. And then to drive out the enemy from our promised land. Amen? See, right after the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, before they attacked Jericho, they were camped out at a place called Gilgal. It's on the plains of Jericho, right next door. And they had Jericho in their sights. They were ready to conquer the 31 kings that they had to take over to take over the entire promised land. They were ready I mean, you're talking about a whole generation that had waited, a whole generation that had been wasted, their fathers and mothers left behind in the wilderness. And in Joshua 5, verse 13 and 14, we read this story. Joshua was there near Jericho, and he looked up, and he saw right in front of him a man standing, holding his drawn sword. And Joshua stepped up to him and said, "'Whose side are you on, ours or our enemies?" And the man said, neither. I'm commander of God's army, and I've just arrived. I absolutely love this story. Joshua is all alone. You know he is itching for a battle. I mean, this is what he's been waiting his entire life for. He's geared up to cross that Jordan River, go into the promised land, and conquer some people. He and Caleb were the two spies. They knew they had the faith that they could take out the people in this land. They were ready to step forward and take down Jericho. After 40 years of, of mistake, 40 years of their fathers and mothers wasted away in the wilderness, they were ready. And all of a sudden, Joshua one day, he's getting ready for battle. He's scouting a little bit ahead from Gilgal, checking out Jericho. He's by himself. And all of a sudden, he comes face to face with a man in his path. And this man's holding a sword drawn standing in his way and Joshua has Jericho on his mind this guy was in his way and being the leader and warrior that he was he steps right up to the man with the sword and he demands that he answer his question are you a friend or are you a foe whose side are you on anyway ours or our enemies and the answer shocks Joshua The man said i'm not on either side because i'm the commander of god's army and i've just arrived joshua had come face to face with jesus yeshua meets yeshua and joshua encounters the very one that he's named after it's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, and Jesus is standing in the way of Joshua's conquest of Jericho. Don't you think so many times that, that we're on our way to accomplish something, something really good, something that God's told us to do, like conquering Jericho, and all of a sudden Jesus gets in our way? Have you ever felt that way? We're like, hey, Jesus, uh, can you step aside? You're blocking the road to Jericho. You're blocking what you told me to do. Step aside, Jesus. Whose side are you on anyway? See, it's not that our destination isn't correct, but he always needs to slow us down to make sure that we do things in his strength and not ours. And once Joshua realized who was blocking his path, he fell with his face to the ground, and he worshiped Jesus. This past week, as Isaac had mentioned, 33 of us from this church were in Haiti. Unbelievable time. So grateful for that opportunity. And I want you to know you were all with us there. Your prayer was with us there. We were with you here. We we stand united. And I know many of you wanted to come with us and there will be more opportunities as we do things like this in the future but you were with us but on the second night we were there a couple of guys from the life song school 17 18 year old guys that were just graduating they gave their testimony and they didn't speak english so they're translating between creole and english for us and they, they gave their testimonies, incredible testimonies. And at the very end, they asked us if we'd like to ask them some questions. And the last question was asked by Jared Smith. And he asked them, he said, what can we pray for them for? And I've got a picture of Lucine on the screen here, my buddy. And this is what he said he wanted prayer for. To stay at the feet of God. Would you pray that I stay at the feet of God? See, the prayer of a 17-year-old Haitian boy should be your prayer and my prayer as well, to stay at the feet of God. See, just like Joshua encountering Jesus before you and I can fight any battle, Before you and I can take any step forward, we must fall face down at the feet of Jesus and stay at the feet of Jesus. I told Lucene that night, I said, dude, you just preached my entire message. God just spoke to you in Creole, the same thing he spoke to me in English. That's how amazing God is. Thursday night of last week, I was wrestling with this message in a good way. I said, I said, I've got to get out of the way for the, this message. Any message that's preached from our stage, we have to get out of the way. And I just felt like something was missing. I, I got this revelation back in September, but I was, as I was wrestling with this last question, I felt like something was missing. And I'm standing there, and those of you that were at the compound, there's that third story above where we sleep. Uh, it's kind of an open air thing, and it was dark lights were turned off, the sun had gone down, it was pitch black, and I'm looking out towards the city of Port-au-Prince in the distance and really focusing, looking at the stars because they were unbelievable. And I asked Jesus, I said, why? What am I missing? I mean, clearly the answer is Yeshua, the answer is Jesus, I can't add anything to that. That's got to be the answer, right? But, but I want more than head knowledge. It's got to go from my head to my heart. I want to experience why. I had to finish wrestling out this message. There's no point in preaching if these words are just my words that I make up. It's got to be fresh revelation from the throne of God. It can't be from me. So here I am. It's pitch black. I'm looking up the, the stars Thursday night. And I asked Jesus, why? I probably said it 20 times. Why? Just me and God and Tucker had snuck up there too, (laughs) looking at the stars in the corner. I think he fell asleep. I said, why, God? Why am I here in Haiti? Why was I born in Canada? Why am I married to a beautiful woman? Thank you. Why do I have two amazing children? Why do I live in Peoria? Why, why, why do I live on this earth? Like all these big questions. Why is a big question. Why? I want to understand why. I want to know the answer for why. Think about that for a moment for your life. Why? Why are you breathing right now? Why are you alive in this period of time? Why do you live in this zip code? Why do you exist? Why all of this? Why are we not as poor as the Haitians? Why do we have this luxury? Why God? And after I stopped talking, as I'm looking at the stars, I clearly felt God say three words. Because of you. Because of you. He said, I told Abraham to look at those same stars. That was the promise. And one of those stars that Abraham saw thousands of years ago, that was you. You are the promise. Why? Because of you. I was missing something. See, the why is not just Yeshua alone. It's about a relationship. The why is Yeshua and you. Yeshua and you. It's always and only and ever been about Jesus and you. That's the why. You see, he created all things for his glory. That's why when you see a beautiful sunset or a stunning mountain or ocean or river, Those things glorify God. You can see God in those things. But people, people, he created this earth for people because people not only glorify God, but they are created in the very image and the likeness of God. See, everything else God spoke into existence. But you and me, he got down on his knees and he formed you out of dirt, and he crafted you specifically, and then he breathed his life into you. So you and I are carefully crafted. We are uniquely designed. We are created in the likeness of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, When you look into someone else's eyes, which I think is a rare thing these days because we're all so distracted, and I raise my hand first. When you look into someone else's eyes, do you see the reflection of Jesus? You know how a diamond reflects light? You and I are like that facet of a diamond. Each cut is, is unique to each diamond. Each one a little bit different, but we're all reflectors of the light. Jesus. And see, whether somebody knows Jesus or not, somebody needs to hear this today. This, this, this may change your outlook on people. Whether or not somebody knows Jesus or has a relationship with him yet, he, he or she is still made in God's likeness think about this. I've met so many people, and you have too, that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, but they look just like him. A couple months ago, I was on a date with my wife. I don't even know if she remembers this. We were just sitting there in the restaurant, and all of a sudden, I looked up and just started looking around at the people. I didn't know any of their names. but God just broke me. That man looks like Jesus. That woman over there, I don't know her name, but she looks like Jesus. See, there's so many people that have never met their earthly father, right? You know these stories. Maybe you're one of them. There's so many people that have never met their earthly father, but I guarantee you this, that they look just like their dad. They have their dad's physical attributes, They have their father's characteristics. They look just like him, even though they haven't met him yet. And the same is true for those who are yet to meet Jesus. They might not yet have a relationship with him, but there's no doubt we can see the father in them. And if we truly viewed people the way Jesus sees them, we would see Jesus in every single person that we encounter. We would see the reflection of Jesus, and it would absolutely destroy us. It would absolutely wreck us. That person that you can't stand at work, they are made in the very image of God that family member that you don't get along with, they are a reflection of Yeshua. See, so many times we don't see the people that are all around us. I think especially in North America, this is how the enemy distracts us. We've got all this stuff, all this technology, all these phones, we just walk around like this. I raise my hand. Instead of looking in people's eyes and connecting like the family that we're supposed to be and your enemy doesn't want you to notice people he wants you to isolate yourself i remember 10 some years ago my dates are probably bad my wife will correct me later but Maybe it was when I first started putting up some social media pictures or something. My wife came up to me one day and gently, or maybe not so gently, said, hey, why are there no people in your pictures? That cut me deep. I needed to hear that. I was leaving the most beautiful thing out of my pictures. Do you see Jesus in the people that are all around you? Turn to somebody next to you and say, "I see Jesus in you." Now turn to the other person who got left out and say, "I see Jesus in you." Awesome. A couple months ago, I was uh, we were sitting down with our friends Josh and Kinsey Schilling, and I was explaining to them excitedly the Amplify Vision. And I got to the part about Yeshua. And after politely, after I'd finished, Josh told me this story. And it's a simple story, but it's so profound. And I just wanted him to share it with you today. So Josh, Joshua, hey, meet Yeshua. Here he comes.
1: So, yeah, this is fun. Um, I don't share this story often. Kinsey and I have probably only shared it once or twice and once was there at your table. Um, And the significance of sharing it today is really special. God personally does things for us sometimes, but we were supposed to do this last week. But the uh, snow pushed us off a week, which puts us today, Super Bowl Sunday. And I'll explain the significance of that in a minute. Um, but we have four kids. My wife and I have four kids. It's Ryder, Lila, Brooklyn, and Ivy. And they all have a Y uh, in their name. And that wasn't done intentionally uh, at the beginning. Um, so we had our first two, Ryder and Lila. And uh, we would go and uh, we would have dinner with friends or families. And many times, as parents sometimes do in families, we'd talk about our kids and they would have this really unbelievable explanation of why they named their kid, you know, what they did. And uh, Kinsey and I would be sitting there and just so like, you know, that is amazing, you know. And then they'd look at us and be like, well, why did you name your son Ryder and Lila? And we'd be like, we just really like those names. I don't I don't know. Uh, we felt peace about that, but there was no, like, depth to, you know, why we had named and chosen those names. And uh, so sometimes we'd leave those conversations and Kenzie and I would be scratching our head and be like, did we miss the boat on something here? Like, you know, we feel like, man, maybe maybe we messed this up. But uh, anyways, not not long after that, fast forward just a little bit. Our our youngest two are kind of growing and I'm praying over them. And uh, I felt like my prayers were just falling short just a little bit. Like I, I felt like I had a responsibility as a father and a parent to really bless them, you know, to really be speaking blessing into their life. And uh, I was saying, God, you know, what what do you want me to pray over these kids? And um, I was reminded in Numbers chapter six, uh, there was a verse, and it was uh, Aaron, who was the first high priest of the Israelites, and God told him, this is how you're supposed to bless the Israelites. And I was reminded of this, and it says this: it's uh, Numbers chapter six, verse 20 through, twenty-two through twenty-seven. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good one. I think, uh, I think I can go with that. So I began, I began praying this over my kids every day. I'd leave for work every day. Maybe they would leave, and I'd be home. The Lord bless you, keep you. the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. And you know, I would just send them out the door, or I would go out the door. And uh, a little bit later, I started studying um, the word Yahweh and the word Yeshua. And uh, it, it really spoke to me because Yeshua was a derivative of Joshua. And, and I was diving into this, and God just out of nowhere highlighted the why in Yahweh and in Yeshua. And uh, he immediately took me back to what I'd been praying over these kids, and it said... Um, you know, it said, when you pray that, it says, so they will put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And God instantly said, you didn't even know what you were doing, but you were marking them, and you were branding them with my name. And he was saying that I was so intentional about that all the way along, even though you didn't know what you were doing. And uh, he said, you know, Josh, they are mine. Those kids are mine. And uh, it just moved me a- as a parent. You know, okay, God, you're so good. I didn't even know that's what we were doing. And so we continued. We named our third one, Brooklyn, who has a Y in her name. And our last one, Ivy, who has a Y in her name. We even named our dog, Toby, which has a Y, which has a y in its name. Um, you know, but getting back to just the significance of today, So uh, last night, we went out with some friends. We came home at at night, and we were just kind of brushing our teeth, and family was going this way and that. And Lila comes up to me, and she says, Dad, she goes, you know what tomorrow is, right? And I said, uh, I was kind of thinking about, I don't know exactly what. And she goes, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I said, oh, yeah, cool. And she goes, no, no, Dad, remember, we were baptized on Super Bowl Sunday. And I was like, you know, I had missed it even in my mind, even thinking today, you know, today's the day. But, you know, two years ago on Super Bowl Sunday, three of our kids came up to us and said they wanted to be baptized. And without our prompting, without any of that. And, um, you know, it was just neat that today I'm sharing this story. But, you know, it's really more about that that why, you know, we could put that on them. God can tell them they're marked. But they have to choose for themselves, and it's not just having something on them, but it's it's what's in them, you know, and that's Yeshua, you know, that's what we're talking about, that's Jesus, you know, it's got to go beyond, even for us as believers, we're marked, we're called, you know, but it's got to be beyond just carrying the name of Christian, or just carrying the name, We we have to have him inside of us, which is, the presence that you were talking about early in the series. So that's what we're striving as parents is just to help our kids understand it's Yeshua inside of them that matters. So,
0: so good. Uh, so, so good. And he has marked you. One of the, the main project that we were doing down in Haiti was... Uh, attempting to, to build part of this building, and uh, we, we accomplished everything that we needed to do, um, but one of the challenges was putting these trusses up on the building, and so between the brain power of Pad and Steve and uh, Arash, and a lot of people that were just some heavy lifting, the old Egyptian way, we we did it, and, and mainly through Jesus. But when, when uh, <clears throat> one day I saw Steve, he was uh, one of the first days, he was taking some measurements, and he was writing the measurements on his arm. So at lunch there, I, I said, hey, Steve, can I get, get a picture of your arm? And he graciously let me, let me do that. And I said, this is, a, this is a great illustration. Because in Isaiah 49, it says this. This is what Jesus says to you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. Another translation says, I drew a picture of you on my hand. So you are marked. You are known by the God of the universe. He designed you to encounter him. And his deepest longing is for you to fall in love with him the same way that he has poured out his love for you. But the amazing thing is he won't force you. He didn't make you a robot. He gave you a choice. See, He wants you to choose Him out of your desire. That's what's great about love. Love is a choice, it's not forced. But He will give you an opportunity. He will stand in the middle of your path on your way to Jericho. Just like Joshua encountering Jesus on that dusty path near Jericho, Yeshua meets Yeshua. Joshua meets Jesus head on. Jesus is blocking his way. And then he realizes who it was. And he falls face down at the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, face down on the dirt, Yeshua the Israelite asks Yeshua the creator a question. He says, what orders, Jesus, does my master have for his servant?" And Jesus tells Joshua the same thing that he told Moses at the burning bush. He says, Take the sandals off of your feet because the place that you are standing is holy. Take the shoes off of your feet. Where you're standing is holy ground. We worked some long hours in Haiti on our feet. It was awesome. A lot of sweat, a lot of heat. I'm sure you were miss you You know, you, you guys wouldn't have wanted that. But at the end of the day, man, our feet were tired. I don't know anybody can testify to that. And if we didn't catch a ride in the back of the pickup truck, it was a long walk up the hill at the end of the day. There's just the last part of it. So you get up there and you'd be tired and dusty and you know somebody i remarked to somebody on the way up i've never been to israel but it felt very much like i've seen pictures of of israel with the dust and i can just imagine the disciples following the master up the hill tired and dirty feet much tireder than we were and it reminded me of that story in john 13 where jesus is with his disciples and they're sitting around And it says, Jesus got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. And when he came to Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Peter said, no, you're never going to wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus told Peter, Hey, unless I wash your feet, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, Jesus says, you won't belong to me. But you've got to take the shoes off of your feet and allow Him to wash your feet. How crazy is it when you realize that you're standing in the presence of God and you fall at His feet? You take your shoes off because you realize that you're standing on holy ground. And then the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, he's the one that kneels down and washes your feet. Who does that? What kind of king does that? Not any king that I've ever met. Not any CEO that I've ever met. What kind of king bends down in the dust to wash your feet? It should be the other way around. It's the same king that bent down in the dirt and molded you from it and breathed life into that dirt and created you. Why do our feet need to be washed? Think about this. We were all created out of the dust and the dirt. Without the Spirit of God in us, that's all we are. We're just a pile of dirt. Some piles a little bigger than others. But with the Spirit of God, we are made into reflections of Jesus. And this Jesus, this King, kneels down to wash the dirt off of your feet, I cannot think of a more humbling act for a king, for the king. You and I, the people he made from the dirt, he washes that same dirt off of our feet. I'm not talking about a physical foot washing ceremony. I'm talking about a daily intimate encounter with the king of kings and the lord of lords where you allow him to clean the dirt off of you. Think about it. He washes us off of ourselves. He washes you off of you so that you can step forward in him. So that we can bring his message, that we can carry his presence without distraction of our junk. See, it can't be anything of us. We must be removed from ourselves. You must be removed From you, so that all that is remaining is a reflection of Jesus. You know, this 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 church is named after Acts 2:14, when Peter and the apostles they stepped forward together, they launched the Church of Jesus Christ. Stepping forward together, that is our mandate. We step forward in unity together, and our feet are symbolic of the authority that Jesus gives us as his apostles, to advance his kingdom, to step forward and take ground in the name of Jesus. But first, before we can do any of that, we must have an encounter with Jesus. I'm not talking about a one-time event. I'm talking about a way of living every day, face down in the dirt, barefoot in front of him, at his feet, allowing him to wipe away you off of you. We must allow him to stoop down out of his extreme love and wash the dirt off of his prized possession, you. Why? It's all about having an encounter with Jesus. That's the place we need to stay at, at his feet, just like Lucine said. But see, it doesn't stop there. You receive from Jesus so that you can give Jesus to others, right? And they continue the story of Jesus and the disciples in John 13. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and he sat down. He said, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you ought to wash each other's feet as I have done for you. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What does it mean to have your feet washed by Jesus? It's that daily pursuit of an intimate encounter. It's pursuing his presence, that success. And then taking that experience with Jesus and having the humility to bow low and give other people the same experience with Jesus. See, he created you to have an encounter with him and then to bring Jesus to others so that they could encounter him too. That's the why. That's why you were here. That's why you were born. That's why you go out from here. That's why you are an apostle. That's how we amplify Jesus. See, now we've come to the end of this Amplify series, but it's just the beginning. Now we must continue to walk into this vision that God's downloaded for us. Recognize that we're apostles and apostles identify other apostles. They call them out. An apostle leads themselves and others into the presence of God and the freedom of Jesus. An apostle takes his presence and that freedom to your living room and your marketplace. Why? It's all about an encounter between Yeshua and you. Yeshua and you, Jesus and you, that's the why. Would you bow your heads with me? Why? It's all about an encounter with you, Jesus. We want you more than anything else. That is our heart's desire. Yeshua and you. That's the why. And somebody needs to hear this warning that that he sees you. He knows you. Your name is written on his arm. Your picture is drawn on his palm. And maybe this morning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never invited him to to walk with you, to lead you. But he knows you. He made you. He formed you from the dust. He knelt down and breathed his spirit into you. And you look a lot like Jesus. You look so much like your father. And the entire wire of your existence is to encounter him. See, you and I are sinners that that have fallen short of the glory of God. And without Jesus, there's no way back to the Father. He's the one that bridges the gap. He's the one that came and took your punishment and your pain, took all of your guilt and your shame, and put it on his shoulders. He died a death that you should have died. He was your substitute. And if you turn to Him, if you believe in Him, just one word, one turn of your heart, you'll be reconnected. You'll be restored to the Father, the relationship that was designed from the very beginning. And you know this He's here right now in this place. He's tugging on your heart to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. Stop resisting and just fall in love with him. Maybe you just need to recommit your life to him in this moment. We all do in this moment. Maybe it's your first time. It's time to come back home. Now all you need to do is confess your sins, say, Jesus, I've fallen short. Would you bridge that gap in your own words, in your heart? He can hear your heart. And to stop walking your own way and turn, that's repentance, turning his way and start walking his way. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You will be restored and reconciled to the Father. So in this moment right now, just talk to Jesus from your heart. However your words come out, say, God, I believe. I turn to you in this moment. I turn to you. I want to come back. I want to come home. I want to come be restored to the family that I was created to be a part of. That's my why, to encounter you. I'm tired of living for myself, doing my own thing. I want to encounter Jesus. There's nothing more that will fill you up. Everything else is empty outside of that everything else is vain ambition except for Yeshua and you and if you did that in this moment there's millions of angels that are shouting down praises from heaven I want you to do something I want you to tell somebody after this service that you came home I want you to tell somebody your why. Maybe it's somebody that you came with. Maybe it's a family member. Come and tell me. I would love to to hear your story. I would love to pray with you because we can't do this alone. Isolation is from the devil. We've got to walk in unity. We're a family. Let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As disciples and as apostles and as family, Jesus taught us to pray this. He taught us to pray, Our Father. I want you to say that with me. Just say, Our Father. One more time. Our Father. Those are two powerful words. Our Father. Our Father. That's everything right there. That is everything right there. That's the why. Our Father, He's ours. He's yours. He's your Father. He's my Father. You see, He can't call Himself Father without sons and daughters. He can't call Himself a Father without you. You're the why. It's about Yeshua and you. It's always, only, ever been about Jesus and you. Jesus, we fall at your feet in this moment. We are on holy ground. We want to amplify. We want to carry this out. We want to go on to Jericho, but you're standing in the way. And we thank you for that. So we fall at your feet. We just listen to you. If we don't encounter you, Jesus, then it's just religion, it's just meaningless. We choose you. And I believe Jesus is telling us what he told Joshua. I'm the commander of God's army, and I've just arrived. I've just arrived. He's here. He's here. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome your presence in this place, God. Blow through these hearts right now. Speak to dry bones right now. Without you, we're just a pile of dirt. We want to live again. We want to breathe again. We want to amplify again. You are our master. Speak to us. You are our teacher. Show us and reveal to us the things that our heart desires. Spirit, blow through this place. We fall at your feet. 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 And you fall at our feet. You fall at our feet. And you wash the junk, the stuff off of us. We surrender everything to you. This is holy ground.